I started it just in time. Ah, I, I knew it. I love it. I love it. Sprite Zero today, everybody. The great taste of Sprite without all the insulin resistance. Sprite Zero. Official news sponsors of the podcast. If only. I'd take that sponsor. Oh, if they Sprite it. Who makes Sprite? Coke. Yeah. We get a bunch of other cool stuff. You know, I think Coke owns Monster, too. I'm pretty sure. Okay, sold. Tell those people. For our tens of listeners, if you have connections with anyone in Coke, let them know. What if, like, the VP of, like, Coca-Cola America was listening to this, and he's like, I'll reach out to those guys. Sure. And then all of a sudden, we have Coke jackets, like leather jackets. Oh. That we wear even in the summer, because that's part of it. That's a little much. Coke jackets, maybe, though. If they gave me a tank top, I'd rock a tank top. What if we came up with some formula... That they called Coke Jacked because oh. it had protein in it. It had the CQ10 you know I mean? thing in it, like yeah. that Bang like, has. Like how they're always, now there's like protein H2O or whatever, protein 2O. Yeah. It's Coke Jacked. Coke Jacked and like it just Doritos has... Jacked. <laughs> oh best, boy. The best Doritos. Coke Jacked has Anivar in it. Yeah. Just, it's a little bit of Orals, just, you know what I mean? Just to wake you up a little bit, just to push progress. No, no. And now we've gone a little too far. Mm, I but bet people would buy it. They'd be I, like, this Coke <clears throat> Jack really works. It sure does. Uh-huh. We wouldn't be able to sell it here. That'd be the issue. It's not not really... Legal? Just trace amounts, you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe they amount. forget to wash the bins out. You know? So, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like your <laughs> chicken? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're just hoping for that. You're hoping you get the right batch of chicken breast. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Oh, boy. Not, not <clears throat> mass market soft drinks. No, we are not. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about AeroCap. Ooh, a little aerobics. Yeah. Like Jane Fonda like, <gasps> or water aerobics. Uh, what if we started doing that, right? If I did, like, a Jane Fonda class, would you take it? Maybe, Yeah. Yeah. Depends on how many other like teenage tarts are also taking it. If I got Kendall to do it and sit right in front of you, probably yeah. We did hot yoga once. Oh, all right. Right at the beginning of twice, your of your actually, history, yeah, we went twice. Okay. Yeah, the very beginning. Yeah, that was, such, a, that was such an interesting <laughs> uh, thing because like you're still trying to throw like basically throw as much bait in the water as possible. Like, you have a hook in the water, but you're just throwing bait all over, too, just to try... You know what I mean? When they dump, like, the salmon blood in the water to attract the sharks. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the buckets of blood, and then all of a sudden, randomly, the sharks start to roll in. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. But it turned... I mean, look at us now. Look at you now. Okay. So, aerobics... (laughs) <laughs> not not Jane Fonda. You could do that. That is a form of aerobic activity. Like P90X. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Or insanity. Oh. Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that as much. Well, as the aer- resident person who likes aerobic capacity work the most, why don't you tell us <laughs> a little bit about uh, what it is and what it's not. And we'll start there and then we'll get into, like, why we're talking about this and how it fits in. I mean, I, I realize that you're looking at me and saying that, but out of all of us, I'm probably the least uh, aerobic. More of a fast twitch person. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is definitely not in my wheelhouse. 
Well, so maybe that's a really good reason why you should talk about it, right? So it is not in your wheelhouse. It's not your preference to do that. But you do correct engage in some aerobic work. So uh, why don't you talk about how, like, what that looks like and specifically why you do it, right? Because you know, the sport that you're involved with has nothing to do with aerobic training. No. Uh, but for me, it's more the cardiovascular side of things, making sure, um, like... My heart's in good health. My body um, is in good health. Because in reality, being uh, on stage <clears throat> in a depleted state, like if, if your ticker's not working that great, being up there holding poses for periods of time, that that's, doesn't, that's not, very, not very good. <laughs> what, about what about in between sets, though? Like what about when you're like absolutely floored? After you just hit like 30 at 295 or whatever, you back squat, something like that, I think. And then you're like, and then, but then it takes you, like, do we want it to take 10 minutes for us to catch our breath before we can do another set? No, no, that would not be good. Um, and, and I would say that's probably where out of the three of us, I probably actually do recover better in between sets, but put me on like a bike or a rower for any extended period of time that's not not great for me do you think it's just because we uh have we put forth more effort in our sets no (laughs) i can get out of here (laughs) so i think that is a really big reason is to even if your sport or your goals aren't really related in any way to actually having great aerobic capacity your ability to reach your goals through good workouts is affected by work capacity. Correct. And so if you if you do have a hard time um, recharging in between sets or you can only handle so much volume in a given session and maybe you notice it's markedly less than people around you, um, that could be a pretty good argument for bringing in some aerobic capacity work because it will increase your work capacity thereby allowing you to have more productive training sessions, which thereby allow you to get you, you to your goal, whatever it is, more quickly. Yes. So that certainly could be one reason why we would put it in. And I think probably that's the most applicable reason for you, is right yeah. if we look at your sport as being the culmination of really, really long periods of training and preparation for like a very, very short, actual competitive, frankly, moment Right. Right? And so it all comes down to how productive were you in the six months, eight months, one year prior to show day, in the few minutes that you're frankly on stage, um, you know, the person who is the most productive in their workouts and recovers the best and et cetera, wins in, in many cases. So I think that's, that's a big element. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about uh, the health element, because I think that's something that we come into contact with people a lot. They're they're interested or come from a background of doing some aerobic work in one form or another for health, um, and then we can get into maybe like body composition change and maybe some misunderstandings there, etc. So, what about using aerobic training or aerobic capacity training to enhance your health? Does it do anything with that? And if so, what does it do? Uh, well, kind of like you said in the beginning, there numerous cardiovascular benefits um and i'd say maybe the most broad but blaring thing 
is when you're doing some sort of aerobic capacity piece, you are burning calories. So if you're going to burn excess calories, you're going to potentially be in a calorie deficit, which will cause you to lose weight. And generally, if you're overweight, that has numerous negative side effects. So if you're going to lose, if you can lose weight as a result of being in a calorie deficit, as a result of doing aerobic capacity, you're probably going to be generally in better health in terms of a gazillion different reasons that we could dive into. Other than that, um, just better, you can, can help your metabolism. That's what I was trying to say. And, uh, I mean, we could probably go on for days giving examples, but I think generally, um, boosting your metabolism and then also, uh, kind of creating a calorie deficit if that's what your goals align with. I think that's a good one is helping to exert body composition change. I think the caveat to that, quite frankly, so a lot of people do things like run, um, with the goal of having body composition change. The reality is it's uh, not any more effective than just daily activity. So it doesn't burn any more fat than just walking. And it's a lot more fatiguing. Um, so sometimes that can be a little bit of a fallacy as people with the best of intentions are spending a lot of time on like the elliptical or some other machine or they're going for runs or whatever and that's maybe not the most effective way for them to exert body composition change, although there are obviously some health benefits to doing that kind of stuff. Um, so that kind of leads us into sort of a larger chat about how aerobic capacity can help your health. If you're doing it with the express goal of positively affecting your health, let's say you have family history of high blood pressure, uh, let's say you're you know overweight to some extent, you're inactive, like you have a desk job and you just don't get a whole lot of activity. And so you have a limited amount of time to try to get some activity in. Some aerobic capacity work like running or rowing or biking or swimming or some combination of those things can be a really good way to do that. What we want to think about is it should be sustainable, right? So you can go for like short, really, really hard bursts. But frankly, unless you're really aerobically well-developed, that's not going to uh, be something that you can sustain long enough for it to really make a difference. What makes a lot more sense is that you move at a steady state, something that you can sustain for a while, like probably 15 minutes plus at, at the same rate of movement. The other things we'll kind of get into as we go, um, but you know, before we go any farther, it's also possible to do this with resistance training. So there's not fundamentally a difference between, say, sprinting and doing a set of 10 back squat. It, it works different musculature, uh, but the way that your body responds to it is largely the same, and it can't really tell much of a difference. So that's a little bit of a misnomer that we see as people think they have to do some sort of extra aerobic capacity training to maintain some level of capacity, whereas if you can get through your workouts and you are you know, involved with hypertrophy training, you're doing big sets, like chances are you're actually probably fairly well-developed with regard to aerobic capacity. I think a good example for at least the both of us and probably many of our clients is like we effectively stopped doing aerobic work for 
maybe close to a year other than just walking and both recently kind of went back into it without much of a drop in our work capacity in terms of doing sustainable aerobic movements. Yeah, I would. it's fair to say that it's not the same. We don't have the same capacity that we did, but I would say it's also fair to say it's probably about 85% of what it was. And so with a relatively short period of time of relatively straightforward, relatively low-volume training, we could easily get back to where we were. Um, so I think that goes into another thing, which is broadly what we would call interference, right? So we're not making the argument that there's anything wrong with doing aerobic capacity work or that it shouldn't be part of your regime if you enjoy it and if it aligns with your goals. However, uh, there are some cases where it is directly interferent, particularly some forms of aerobic training. And so why don't we get into that a little bit? So can you Tell us, what are your thoughts about that, Amanda, in terms of, let's say someone's trying to change the body composition. You get someone, let's say it's a lady who comes to you. She's interested in changing her body composition. She wants to have the appearance of being what she would sort of describe as more toned, which we would take as more visibly muscular, right? right? That's actually what that is. And usually what that means is you need to lose the fat that's covering your muscularity. Uh, and maybe at the same time gaining some strength. Uh, but let's say this person has a background uh, running long distances. So how do you approach that? Let's say their, their express goal is to change their body composition. They're willing to do whatever you'd like them to do to get there. Yeah, I think <clears throat> the first conversation that we have is, is that, you know, if you want to continue to run, that's fine, but understand that it is going to be at the expense of your overall goal, depending on how much you want to run and how hard you actually run. So if we add in, let's do four days a week of training, um, and then you still want to run three or four days a week, and you're running five plus miles every day, like you're not allowing your body the time to recover. Um, so your body's not regenerating the muscle tears that you create throughout running and through your resistance training. Um, and so the odds of you actually positively affecting your body composition are going to be very limited. Or it could happen. You, could, you will see positive change. It becomes a question of relative to what, though. Right. Right. So we're not saying that you're you if you run and squat, you're not going to get stronger because you almost certainly will, especially if you have a decent program and you have someone paying attention to your movement and you're trying hard. Like you almost certainly will. That's not the argument. The argument is, could it have been a lot better? Right. And what we're arguing, or what I think you're arguing, is yes. yes. <laughs> yes, 100%. It could could always be because you just, again, you're the most important piece of this to any kind of training um, is your recovery. And if you are not recovering, then you're, you're not going to make the progress that you could have made if you were. So what, what would we do then in that circumstance where this person, let's say we explain that to them and they're like, okay, I understand, but I still want to kind of keep up the quote-unquote volume in terms of my aerobic work. I understand maybe it isn't running. What what would we do in that case? So coming back to kind of the interference part. So essentially what we're saying is running 
relatively high interference because it's extremely high impact, especially if you're running on concrete. Right. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of other things at our disposal. Um, for me, in that situation, if it's the act of being outside, like, and then I just tell you, like, take take long walks. They don't, they don't have to be, like, snail pace. Um, but you can still be outside. You can still enjoy nature. Just slow it down so you're not getting that hard impact on your ankles and your knees and your hips and potentially, like, your shoulders, like... All of that is impacted. Um, and so, yeah, maybe you still feel good during like your lower body days, but like your upper body feels like total crap. It's still being impacted by your running. So if you want to be outside, <clears throat> great. Like walk instead, fast walk. You don't need that impact. Um, or if it's just kind of the art of moving, um, then doing something like the elliptical or doing a bike, um, so much less impact on your body um, and a way for you to really work on some aerobic capacity pieces. So let's say we have the same client and this person is like, all right, awesome. I'm going to ride the bike. But they're like, well, hang on. After they do it a couple times, they're like, I still feel lactic acid in my legs. I still feel like I kind of have a quad pump after. And they're like, well, wouldn't that be interfering still with my recovery so how is that how is that maybe a little bit better still than running like what does running have that biking does not it in terms of what do you mean like in terms of like an eccentric essentially so bicycling bicycling doesn't have an eccentric portion running and cycling is also non-contact right so the thing that i think rise is alluding to is that there's a scale of interference. So the most interferent thing with uh, like putting on muscle, changing your body composition in that way would be like marathon training. There's a reason marathoners are very, very thin, do not, are frankly, relative to the rest of the population, under-muscled. And that's on purpose. Like, it's not an accident. Right. They want to be as light and as thin as they possibly can be because every extra pound they carry costs them dearly in terms of energy. There's a reason marathoners and 100-meter sprinters look very, very different. The question you have to ask yourself is which one, on balance, do you want to look more like? A 100-meter sprinter? Men or women, right? Or a marathon runner. And so there's not a right or wrong answer to that. But depending on what you want to look like, because they're both healthy, right? Um, it's sensible for you to focus your training in a certain way. So in the most interferent part of the scale, it would be like marathon training. Uh, after that would just be like jogging. After that would probably be like uh, contact mat sports. Like Brazilian jiu-jitsu is extremely interferent. If wrestling, extremely interferent I'd with training. Could, we could even put like generally most sports, most ball sports or sports in general. Yeah. Probably above jogging. Yeah, mat or field, mat, field or court sports would also be pretty interferent. And then at the bottom of the scale, like least interferent would be walking, incline walking, Things like that. So that's, again, for example, if you look at competitive physique athletes, that is their sport. They're not doing things that beat them up or that are heavily interferent because that push, pulls them away from success at their sport. 
Someone who trains in MMA, though, is going to have really different cardiovascular and cardiorespiratory and anaerobic demands. So they're going to obviously train for their sport. So uh, the one thing that I think we need to look at is if you want to involve aerobic training in your uh, total training regime is the ability to recover. So what is your total ability to recover from all activity and all stress in your life? And from there, and this we have this conversation, we don't expressly say it, we have this implicit conversation with our clients, is, you know, what exactly are you doing in total? And what does the potential addition of resistance training do to that? And can you actually recover from all this work? And so how do you approach that with people? Because you have some people, we all have some people that, that blend both. So how do you approach that? So someone can kind of see into our minds. <clears throat> it's being mindful of where you plug those days in um, and make sure that you're not doing like lower body work three days in a row, right? Because then your lower body is never getting the chance to recover. Um, and just being mindful of what kind of activities you're choosing to do um, when it comes to your aerobic capacity. Yeah, I think just starting to... If we have, if we go back to that kind of avatar of this person who is running at a pretty high volume throughout the week, maybe weaning them off of that. So maybe right from the bat, we're not like, okay, you're not going to run anymore, um, but we're going to drastically reduce the volume and probably the frequency of the running and then hand uh, kind of place when that running is. And then on the other days, place stuff that is much less interference, but still kind of hitting that uh, same volume landmark if they want. And then if they're interested in kind of like, well, they have that kind of mileage target in their head, we can still achieve that on the bike or on the rower or with whatever. There's, there's still units of measurement on all of those things. Right. So you can combine them all together um, to still give you that ability to do that. However, this also requires you to be honest about like your actual recovery, um, both with yourself and if you're working with a coach with your coach. Because if you're not being honest about how you're feeling and you're going into your next lower body day and your legs are just trashed, um, then, then that's not good because obviously then you're not going to be able to continue to progress towards that ultimate goal of, you know, leaning or toning your body out or whatever other kind of body composition goal you have. Yeah, it's obviously like goal focused at its core. And so this works the opposite way too. So I have somebody who runs marathons. He's been doing it for more than a decade. He's run them all over, you know, basically North America and we're coming into his high marathon training season. So this works the opposite. So up to this point, we've talked about maybe looking at cutting your aerobic volume in favor of more resistance training volume or in favor of allowing you to recover from everything in total. Uh, for him, it's actually the opposite. So we're gonna cut 
uh, resistance training volume, basically bring it down to maintenance volume. Like basically the, the least that he can do and still maintain his strength and his muscularity because his running volume, his weekly mileage, is going to continue to go up. And we know that he only has so much recovery capacity. So it's an individualized conversation between he and I of like, okay, so we're going to take this, this, and this to MV. Your sessions are going to be on this day, this day, and this day. And we're going to not only plan that out, but we're also going to have real-time feedback of me watching his week-over-week sets and reps and making sure he is able to recover based on performance, but also his feedback of like, hey, listen, I feel like I got hit by a car. Like, I feel terrible, and then we need to adjust it. Or, hey, listen, I feel great. I feel like I have a ton of gas in the tank. We either leave everything the same or, or adjust up slightly. So it doesn't just work in favor of taking out aerobic stuff. It could be taking out resistance training too. The goal is is to have it align, frankly, with your goals. And so if your goal is to be competitive in some sort of endurance-based sport, then that takes precedent. If your goal is uh, body composition training or, uh, you know, with that focus, then, then that takes precedent. Uh, and sometimes this takes a little bit of uh, wrapping your head around because we often associate aerobic capacity type work with being quote unquote like fat loss work, right? If you want to lose weight, you do a lot of quote unquote cardio. My question to you two, is that true? <laughs> you actually just kind of read my mind. It says that uh, a lot of people think, oh, well, if I throw in some cardio work, um, then that means I can treat myself a little bit more in terms of nutrition. Uh, and it's not going to matter because, well, I'm just doing more in terms of aerobic capacity uh, work. And the reality is that's, that's 100% not true. I was going to, it's ironic that you said that because the book that I'm reading, I read literally a couple hours ago about uh, these studies that had people do exactly what we're saying where they had various groups of overweight people perform no cardio essentially a moderate amount and then a larger amount throughout the course of like 12 weeks and uh, the people who performed the moderate amount lost more weight than the higher amount and it's because people inherently take that they're doing cardio and then that goes away in half of a piece of cake so you may be burning 300 calories on your run but 300 calories is extremely easy to eat especially in terms of compared to how we or how hard it is to run however much you need to burn 300 calories so i think that kind of stereotype if you will of cardio equals weight loss is can be true in a sense because we talked about the caloric deficit but uh they don't necessarily go hand in hand and resistance training can give you a lot more bang for your buck especially because most people think weight loss is the same as just changing their body composition so you may stay the same weight but look completely different yeah so there's a couple things there one is a fallacy one is the fallacy that you have to do some sort of uh, codified, structured cardiorespiratory training like running or biking or cycling to lose weight. That's not true. Uh, another thing is like a little hidden secret that unfortunately what we are sort of trained to do by design as a survival instinct is um, uh, Sit down. balance that. 
Yeah, in the, with some way. So if you do a really hard bout of aerobic training, they've found that you're very likely to be somewhat more sedentary for the rest of the day. Now you can combat this by having like a step tracker to assure that you're not. But the reality is, and we've seen this like being involved with CrossFit, right? So you do some some you know thing that's very very taxing, whether it's two minutes or ten or twelve or forty five. Often 10 that you see are very sedentary comparatively the rest of the day. And so what that does is it balances out what you just did to keep you sort of at homeostasis, to not move in the direction you want to. So that's the first element. The other element is the point that Rye brought up of do you, what we're, when people are talking about body composition change, they say weight loss. What they actually mean is fat loss. You tend to, whether you maybe you're aware of it or not, not want to lose your muscle. So uh, both in terms of like health, number one. So if you're under-muscled, you are at significant risk for injury, for os- things like osteoporosis, stuff like that. On a more aesthetic level, uh, like being skinny fat, most people would argue is not as like, if we were just very honest with one another, visually attractive uh, that's not how people want to look necessarily. They want to necessarily they want to be lean, but they want to have maybe you know some as people would describe it tone. What we would describe it as you have visible muscularity. Doesn't mean you look like a competition bodybuilder. It means that it looks like you exercise, and that's what people tend to want to look like. If you just starve yourself and do a lot of cardio, you will you will lose fat for sure, but you'll just lose a ton of muscle as well, and so. We have to be a little bit more thoughtful about these things and not sort of blindly chase it because you saw a Nike running commercial and the people in it were thin. Ergo, if you run, you'll be thin. I think so going back kind of to the first thing you said, I think a lot of people have the misconception that they are like, well, we were built to uh, perform like quick bouts of energy Um in like a hunt situation and then that's it kind of for the day hence why a lot of people maybe kind of revert to this high intensity high intensity interval training idea that's popular now Um, but it's actually kind of the opposite if you think about it so true hunter gatherer would be walking like five to ten miles a day gathering at a very sustainable pace and they do that all day and then they come back and they would sit down for a little while, hence conserving their energy, hence why everyone always wants to sit down, and then they would do it again as needed. But their whole game, and this is thousands of years ago, but then also currently, there's still tribes that do this, um, is staying alive in terms of eating enough so they conserve as much energy as they can, but they won't go out of their way to spend an excess amount of energy. So they're just slowly going all day walking, picking up stuff and eating stuff here and there, but not going on these like insane bouts of like energy expenditure just to potentially get one thing. So I think that goes hand in hand with what we're saying that it's sustainable, slow stuff rather than this insane five minute all out thrusters throw your shoes at the wall and then take your shirt off. maybe throw up maybe throw up and then like blow your nose in the shirt oh boy. and then handstand walk 
That's quite a turn here. Now, ultimately, at the end of the day, it is not, and this is where a lot of people fall into this, it's not a calorie in, calorie out. I can eat X if I just do X activity. It does not work that way. Um, there are a lot of benefits in terms of aerobic capacity work, in terms of body composition, as long as it is not interfering with anything else in terms of your training that you want to do um, to help align your body composition goals with your training goals. I think it too is the element of doing some aerobic capacity work, like going for runs for the joy of doing so, which we're all for. Uh, so today... It is. It was. It rained earlier, but it's like a hot, humid day, right? In between rains, the sun comes out. It's super humid. These are the sort of days. These days, and like the ninety-five degree days, that are my favorite days to go for runs, right? I have the mix. That's a mix of three hundred soundtrack songs, Rocky soundtrack <laughs> songs, Nine Inch Nails, and Marilyn Manson. That's all you need, and Dead Mouse, just sprinkled in there out of respect unbelievable and you just run and you sweat your mind out and you don't even know if you're going to make it back and it's i love it however i'm not going to do that because it does interfere with what my primary goal is right now at this moment doesn't mean that my goal is better or worse than anyone else's it's just my goal is if i want to put on muscle i need to try to to a certain extent avoid things that are going to uh, compete with that and going for long runs four mile runs are that competes directly with that so i'm not going to do it if you want to do it you absolutely positively should just understand the trade-offs and have a plan uh, and i think this is maybe the final thing that we can touch on is that a lot of people uh faithfully and we're going to pick on running still because i think this is the most popular way people do this but i think cycling this happens too very faithfully will go out and like get their quote-unquote miles in over the course of the week but unfortunately are doing it sort of at random or at the very opposite of at random which is they do the same exact thing every single time and they progress in no way shape or form they run the same route it takes them the same amount of time and, you know, frankly, the reality is after about three weeks, you don't adapt to that at all. You're already adapted. So if you're going to do it for pleasure or if you're, you know, have a goal of running a half marathon or something like that, keep in mind that your training needs to be progressive. If you go out, and I used to do this, so I'm going to pick on myself. I had a four-mile loop. If I timed myself, which was fairly rare, if I timed myself, I ran it in about the same exact time every time. And that's great. So I was sustaining where I was. But I, in no way, shape, or form, after the first two weeks of the running season, got, quote, unquote, in better shape. So the reality is, is if you're going to do something like that, it needs to, like, you need to go a little faster every time. You need to go a little farther, a little faster, a combination of both. You need to change your course up so there's new stimulus. Uh, if you do the same thing every time, you're... Other than just the pure joy of it or the just the f energy output, like you're getting in some physical activity, you're, you know, maybe leaving some benefit on the table there. Yeah. So I think, you know, in summary, aerobic work is great, both in terms of your health and can help you with body composition goals. But 
in deciding what your aerobic capacity looks like for you, you need to keep in mind your overarching goal um, and what you're willing to sacrifice in order to attain that goal. Do you want to close by talking about which what aerobic capacity things we're all doing right now? Sure. Because <laughs> we're all doing it, right? So, And, and we can maybe give some... Uh, understanding of why we're doing what we're doing given our goals just to help other people understand that that's part that has to be optimally part of the thought process so I'd say my like kind of baseline is I get a certain amount of steps usually 10,000 plus per day but I don't really count I count that as just like activity doing walking my dog yeah um so I guess you could count that, and then on top of that, two to three days per week um, in the morning fast it of rowing or uh, on the air bike, or a combination of the two um, at a very sustainable pace, probably something I could hold if needed for 45 minutes or an hour, um, and usually I'll do that for 25 minutes um, and then go about the rest of my day. And my, pretty similar to you, my reasoning. They don't know who you is. That you pointed at me, but yeah. we're, they're listening to us. Yeah. The well, you've done copy. it the entire episode. Yeah, you've done it episode. for like 54 episodes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't you, remember these episodes. You. You. Um, what are you doing? So <laughs> we're both, both me and the other male on this podcast. <laughs> to your left. Are both uh, in a surplus right now. So trying to... A surplus Gain. of what, ladies? Yeah. Oh, yes. boy. <laughs> yes, and calories. And potatoes, know. basically. We, need, we can move on. Um, so you may think, well, if aerobic work burns calories, why would you try to do that if you're trying to eat more calories? And the purpose being, uh, one, just general cardiovascular health and keeping up that work capacity within the gym, um, but also to make us hungrier so therefore we can eat more so to kind of boost our metabolism going back to what we were talking about maybe i'm only going to burn 300 calories um doing that stuff but it's going to be make me hungry enough to eat 700 so i'm still putting more in than what i put out i think another good point to that is that it's also mitigating even though you're in a mass right you're in a surplus at the moment the goal is not to just gain a bunch of fat so in increasing your activity uh, the goal would be to minimize the amount of fat that you're actually gaining while allowing your body to put on actual muscle mass yeah uh for me in terms of cardio um and you know still working towards bodybuilding competitions um and so mine at the moment is uh five days a week i have two kind of different days that i do one is just steady state 25 minutes on the bike um the other one begins with a five minute warm-up of kind of on again off again activity so fast sprints and then slow steady state um, and then that's followed by a 15 minute uh, just steady state bike um, and so mine mainly is to just help with my cardiovascular health at the moment uh, and again just trying to keep me a little bit more in a deficit in terms of my calories boom
a mind's kind of a combination of both. So a couple days a week, uh, purely out of convenience, I will go downstairs and ride the spin bike. Uh, and basically what I've been working on lately is I just uh, accumulate 100 calories and I try to do that progressively faster. So again, it's very, very simple, very, very easy to repeat, very, very easy to keep track of. I just keep track of each time on a little note thing in my phone and I just try to beat that time. Uh, and sometimes I'll row, That's again, that's here, so that's just easy for me to go downstairs and again, do that fasted and then carry on with the rest of my day. Um, I also do like to row and ride the air bike a little bit. Same reasons as Rye. Um, it keeps my work capacity up. It is generally healthy. Um, they're relatively non-interferent or low-interfering things, and I try to space them as far away from my, as I can from lower body training. So I'm not going to bike in the morning if I'm going to squat later in the day because I know that's going to have a negative effect on training. Um, so I try to keep it a couple of days away. Um, and it allows, like Rai said, for me to push food a little bit. So hunger, we don't really, either of us have an issue like eating our food in a surplus. Uh, we're pretty good at finding calorically dense things uh, when we need to. But if we could push our food higher, recover better, train harder, that should theoretically equate to putting on as, as much muscle as we can in that situation. So that's it. You just put on, put on the EDM and start pedaling. <sighs> What's your what's your like go to uh, cardio artist? And we're not. I know. Do you have a current song right now? Like one that you're running hard? Um. No. Yeah. The the Goosebumps remix. Oh. All right. You know. You know yeah. the one. I'm, yeah. Yeah. That one <laughs> goes. You know the one. That one bangs one. a little bit. That one gets me tuned. What about you? Uh, I don't know. I gotta mix it up on the bike. That's not you're my favorite the thing person, in the world. You're also the one who listens to Disney sometimes while you work I out. So that's do not. <laughs> down there grinding on the bike, listening to like the Eagles. Yeah. Oh no, can't do that. Can't be like slow. It has to like get my heart rate up. So the, I don't know. More like sisters? pop, poppy. Like let's go. I don't. I need something with words because I need something to distract my mind. If I'm just listening to a beat, then I tend to get like no, oh my god, my legs, and I, then yeah. I'm just focused on my leg. If you I can sit some, there and like sing in my head and think some, about the words, then I'm good. Wild deep house music. I love it. You just don't even. You don't even know where you are. Like yeah. if it's two a.m., two p.m., <laughs> you don't care. No, I love it. So I yeah, it's it's the same. I've been running the same kind, same genres of stuff. For forever. For, forever. And I love it. I have no I see no end in sight. <laughs> so I've been running the glitch mob pretty hard. Glitch mob. Unbelievable. Yeah. Whether you're posing or whether you're on the bike, unbelievable. Dead mouse. Uh what's the other guy? Callie Boom. Callie Boom, yeah. Really good. Um Dimitri Vegas is good. Oh boy. I'd say overall, Dead Mouse is the is the kind of godfather of tiesto yeah Tiesto. pretty good. a lot of good ones pretty good and then sometimes you get into the soundtrack ones the matrix i've been running the matrix songs a little bit oh boy. lately that's fun you can't lose the 300 rocky it's like is so can't lose you can run it anytime but i have to be careful about overusing those because then all of a sudden you're lifting weights it's like your peak week and that's where you need to get into the stuff that really lets you get into like a a certain place, a certain mind space. So you can't overuse certain songs and they won't have the same effect. 
that's it. Tomorrow morning, just get the get the EDM going down there and start getting after it. Have fun. Amazing. All right. If there's anybody still listening, <laughs> good job. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> we'll see you next week. You know it. Go ahead and get dialed.